Well, good morning, church. Let's open up. We are uh, finishing up our uh, sermon series on Ecclesiastes, um, and we are in the last chapter, chapter 12, the last couple of verses. There are uh, Bibles under the chairs in front of you if you like, and if you go, I don't know where Ecclesiastes is, that's okay. Somebody around you might be able to help you. Um, if you find uh, Psalms and Proverbs kind of in the middle of the Bible, you'll find Ecclesiastes following that. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, the last two verses. Like I said before, this is a place to kind of get to know your way around the Bible. A lot of people bring their own Bibles and circle and underline, and we just kind of grow in faith together. But as you're comfortable, you do as you, as you see fit. Ecclesiastes 12, verse 13, the end of the book. The end of the matter. All has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. The word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for your word that is alive and active. And we pray this morning that you would use these two verses from Ecclesiastes to speak into our life, Lord. That you would, by them, recreate our hearts and our minds to shape us to be more like you, to follow, to look to, to long for your word your truth, your presence. So, Lord, empty me of myself. Fill me with your Spirit's overflowing. Lord, pour out your Spirit on us all here that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts might be acceptable in your sight, for you are our strength and our salvation. And all God's people say together, Amen. Amen. I realize I'm a, I'm a wanderer, so I realize with my knee this morning I'm, I'm going to wander less, so some of you might be, be thankful for that. Well, we are um, finishing up here the end of the matter. That's how the text starts, chapter 12, verse 13. The end of the matter. We've come to the end of our sermon series that lasted all summer. And King Solomon, uh, the preacher, as he calls himself in Ecclesiastes, the writer of this book, has led us on, on quite a journey. I hope that you've enjoyed this journey. We've walked with Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, as he has sought to discover the meaning of life seeking to answer life's deepest questions, why we're here and what we're here for. And he's used the gift of wisdom that God gave him because God gave Solomon the gift of wisdom. That's one thing, that's one great gift that God gave him. And then along with that gift, his life he's used as this laboratory. He's tried out various themes and various avenues, various lifestyles to see if perhaps he could discover the meaning of life. His journey has brought him and us to the understanding that life under the sun, a term he uses, life under the sun is filled with, do you remember the word? Vanity. He led us through the vanity of pleasure, the vanity of work, the vanity of human wisdom, the vanity of all life, the vanity of leaving an inheritance, the vanity of earthly existence, the vanity of acquiring riches, the vanity of political popularity, the vanity of dreams and many words, the vanity of loving abundance, the vanity of wealth without the gift of God to enjoy it, the vanity of wandering desire, of foolish laughter, of injustice in this life, of days of darkness, of childish and youth. My goodness, there's a lot of vanity. In his own words from the start, vanity, remember? All is vanity. Okay, before we get too depressed, <laughs> we have to remember what Solomon is saying and actually what Solomon is pointing us to. This is important. 
Because when we began this journey a few months back, I mentioned that there would be two emerging themes that we would be seeing over and over again in this book. The first is vanity or a mist or meaninglessness. And the second is that term, under the sun. Under the sun. As Solomon moves through these life experiences in his God-given wisdom, he realizes that life apart from God is vanity. It is a chasing after the wind, he says. And where that phrase, under the sun, is found, it simply means that it is a life lived as if all that we see and all that we experience, the world around us, is all that there is. A life under the sun is a life lived without God, without the knowledge of God's goodness, grace, purpose, or salvation. A life under the sun is to live life without this kind of lasting sense of meaning and then die and then just go into a dirt nap, as a friend of mine says. And that scenario, right, is pointless and vanity, if that's all there is. This, all that we see, and that's it, dirt nap. But that's not the deeper lesson that Solomon wants to teach us, even though he hits that over and over and over again. That's not the deeper lesson that Solomon wants to teach us. Instead, he goes through all of these experiences, all of these life lessons, and he writes about all of this for us so that we can learn from him and not make the same mistakes or lose sight of what is true of where life can be found. Any parents in here that have been trying to teach their kids life lessons? Don't make some of those same mistakes I've made, right? Here's Solomon. Solomon's deeper desire in writing this is to point us to the truth that life, true life, can be found only when we live our lives in, with, and for the Lord. Solomon isn't trying to send us into a deep depression with all this vanity talk. Like, what's the point? Not what he's doing. But rather, he desires to show what show us that there, our lives can have eternal, eternal significance. Not meaningless, but eternally significant lives. That's what Solomon desires for us. This world in just life under the sun, like I talked about, you know, the whatever, that's all it is, and a dirt nap, well, that'll build you up and it'll take you down dead-end roads and it'll fill you with meaningless pursuits that end up rusting and decaying and dying. When your eyes are focused only on the things under the sun, you'll lose sight of hope, you'll lose sight of peace and truth, and life can wander into meaninglessness and despair. Anybody been there besides me? I think we see that around us, don't we? But when our eyes are focused on God, the Creator, the Redeemer, our Savior and Lord Jesus, we discover that in Him, we're loved. We have worth. We are gifted and filled. We have value. The Holy Spirit moves in us and allows us to serve Him as we serve one another. We have eternal significance in Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. Jesus says, Jesus saved us. Actually, it's, it's not Jesus speaking, but it's Jesus saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of His own purpose and grace. Jesus saves us and places a holy calling on us for his purposes and grace. What a significant life we can lead. And this is what Solomon wants to give us. In living for God, we discover that every moment, every option, every joy, every pain, every trial, every error, every sorrow, every act of obedience, great or small, it all has meaning in Christ. Our lives have eternal significance. Come on. 
Are you with me? Are we asleep? You got it? Isn't this amazing? As Paul writes in Romans 8.28, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. This is what Solomon wants to give us. This is what Solomon wants us to know, that we can live a life of eternal purpose and meaning as we live for the Lord and understand how that is possible for each and every one of us. And so how do we do it? How do we live that life? Well, Solomon doesn't leave us hanging. How can we experience the life of meaning that Solomon wants for us? He says, here it is, chapter 12, verse 13, fear God and keep his commandments. Solomon turns our eyes and our lives towards the Lord of life. Where does a life of purpose and meaning begin? Why are we here? What's this whole duty of all of our, what are we about? It says, fear God. Fear God. Now, this is not a fear that repels you from God, but rather, rather one that draws you to the Lord. The best way to define what was being said here when it says, fear the Lord, is to, is to think of it in terms of revering God. It is honoring the Lord and worshiping Him above all else. That's what is meaning here when it says, fear the Lord. To fear the Lord is to understand that God is holy, that He created us, that we're but creatures whose life and breath comes from the Lord. This is all His. Everything we see, all that we are, it's all from the Lord and it's for the Lord. We see this in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, where it tells us the truth about who Jesus is and why we are to fear, revere, and honor and worship Him. It says there in John 1, 1 through 3, in the beginning was the Word, Jesus, and the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him and without Him was not anything made that was made. Isn't that amazing? Without Jesus was not anything made that was, he's worthy of all honor, of all glory, of all praise, of all reverence. And in this way, we fear the Lord for who he is and what he has done. Solomon wants us to understand that true life begins by knowing who the creator is, by acknowledging our place in creation. It's one of the reasons why we do a confession every week. Saying, well, gee whiz, that seems kind of like, you know, a bummer, like you got to admit my stuff. Well, isn't it good when you admit your stuff and you get it off your chest, first of all? Second of all, what that does is it places you in right relationship. It says, hey, here's the deal, Lord. This week, once again, I'm not the creator. You are. I'm not holy. You are. I'm not God. You are. I need you. It places us in that right relationship. Now, we can live in the forgiveness of sins. We should. We shouldn't be walking around depressed and, you know, vanity all is vanity. I'm, you know... He wants to free us so that we can live in the forgiveness of sins and in the joy of the Lord. That's the purpose of it, to free us and to send us into this world filled and full. Without Jesus was not anything made. Solomon wants us to understand who we are to fear and love above all else. Life, abundant and eternal life, starts at the moment that you acknowledge Jesus as the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. Amen? That's where true life starts. That's where true life begins. 
That's why throughout Scripture, we see this call actually to fear the Lord. We see it over and over again in Scripture. And maybe you thought that's a strange thing because you thought God wants to be close to you. Like, Jesus, what a friend we have in Jesus. Like, doesn't, you know, well, he does. But we haven't understood maybe what fear of the Lord means. It's not as a call to be repelled from God, cowering in fear, but rather drawn to him in awe and wonder as we understand who he is and who we are. King David longed for a life where he feared the Lord. You know that? In Psalm 86, verse 11, King David wrote, Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. Isn't that interesting? Lord, teach me your ways and unite my heart to to fear your name. Put me in right relationship where I'm in awe of who you are and of what you've done. Where I'm a creature and you're the creator. In Psalm 112, verse 1, he wrote, Praise the Lord, blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. Again, this isn't horror or fear that draws us back from God. It is a fear of respect and worship where one comes into deeper relationship. So what does that look like to fear the Lord then? Well, here it is. Solomon doesn't leave us guessing here either. It's very concise, but he says... The greatest way to live out the fear of the Lord, to honor God, to worship our Creator, is to, as he says, delight in His commandments. Delight in His commandments. When we desire to follow God's commands, to live in obedience to His will and ways for our lives and world, we show Him the ultimate respect. We fear Him. We honor Him. And even more, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. When my dad, when I was a kid, Sometimes we didn't have air conditioning in the whole house. Um, um, I think they got that after we left. <laughs> um, we, had, we had two window units, and one of them was massive. Every year, you know, you get out and you just about kill each other, sliding the thing into the window. And so sometimes I'd be in the basement in the dark because it was nice and cool in the basement, and my dad would be like, hey, um, you got to mow the lawn today. And I'd be like, I don't want to mow the lawn today. It'd be pain. I, I like winter, as you guys, many of you know. It's like, ah, man, I don't really want to mow the lawn. But here's the thing. I knew I'd be in trouble if I didn't get it done. He, he, had, he had some expectations of me. Like, he wasn't mean. He's just like, let, let, can you mow the lawn today? So there was a little fear there. I, just, I wanted to, you know, honor him and not disobey him. But more than that, I wanted to obey him to show him the respect that he deserved as my father. I feared him in that way, out of love. I wanted to follow through. See, when we follow God's commands, we actually show reverence. As we listen and follow his commands, as we are obedient, our lives become instruments of worship and praise just by doing what God calls us to do. Isn't that great? There's more. It goes even deeper than that. For Jesus tells us that living out that reverence, worshiping God by keeping his commands, is one way that we show our love for the Lord. In John chapter 14, verse 15, Jesus said this, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. I want you to hear this. This is, uh, you know, I, I, I had never put it like this before in my mind this week, and this was helpful for me. I, I wrote this down, and it kind of popped off the page. God experiences our love for him when we reverently fear and obey him. God experiences our love for him when we reverently fear 
and obey him. Think about it. My dad experienced my love for him when I followed through on mowing the lawn. 1 John chapter 5, 1 John 5, in there it says, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. When there's that intimate relationship, they're not burdensome. Another way to say all this is to look at it from the other side. When we don't fear God or desire to keep his commands, then quite naturally, sin gets in the way in our life. And we, we know that sin separates us from God and from the love of God. It's sin that keeps us from honoring God. Sin keeps a person from living the abundant life that God longs for us to have, that Solomon keeps trying to encourage us into. It robs us of the peace and the joy that comes from life in Christ. So here's the thing. Solomon has done it all. He's exhausted every avenue for us. And he says in verse 13, it's the end of the matter. So here's my question for us this morning. And I really want to keep wandering, but I'm finding it hard. Here's the question for us this morning. As we've spent all summer together on this, can we trust Solomon's character? Will we take what he gives us and apply it to our lives? Or do you need to discover this on your own? Now, Solomon would like it, and so would the Lord, if we would just receive the wisdom that he has, the life experience he's gone through, and avoid the traps or the pitfalls that can happen when we don't take good advice or try to go it on our own. Proverbs has something to say about this. If you don't know Proverbs chapter 3, the beginning, you can write this down and look it up later. Proverbs 3, I'm going to read 5 through 8. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, underline this, and do not lean on your own understanding. <laughs> in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He'll make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, circle it, and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Anybody need healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones? Anybody need some encouragement this morning? But this is what Solomon wants to do. He's not trying to shake a finger. He's not vanity. He's not trying to make the world a terrible place. He's trying to say, there's life. There's joy. There's hope. There's a fullness that God wants to give. The Lord wants us to live close to him, to walk in his ways, to be in an intimate relationship. He longs for our love and wants to shower us with his grace and love and mercy. So will you heed Solomon's call this morning? Will we listen to his wisdom? Now there are some people that you can tell them to buckle up their seatbelt, and they will. Anybody in here kind of like that? You know, buckle up. Yeah, I'm just going to buckle it up, right? Buckle it up. They see the wisdom in what's being said, and they see the danger that they can avoid, and they will buckle up. But there are other folks in here who need to pop their head against the windshield. And that's a dangerous endeavor. Because you might pop your head against the windshield, or you might eat glass. And that's not good. And that's hard to watch as a parent or as a savior who wants you to know life abundant and eternal. Solomon's advice this morning is this. Buckle up. It's the end of the matter. He says, I've done the research. I've thought it all through. I've chased every worldly life under the sun thing. 
and it was all vanity. <laughs> it did not fill me. Anybody know that this morning? Anybody have a testament of how the world doesn't fill you? Three of us? <laughs> for the sake, for your sake and for the Lord's sake, Solomon is trying to save us from making mistakes that we will regret. He is trying to spare us from living in a manner where we might find ourselves separated from God, kind of chewed away like a sheep lost. Paul warned Timothy in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 3, verses 1 through 5 and verse 7 is what I'm going to read. This is what he said. He said, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. And then listen to verse 7. Here's what I want you to really hear. They are always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of truth. I have, some, I have some friends I love dearly, but they've kind of just kind of given themselves the moniker of just being seeker. I'm a seeker. And that, and that, can, be a, that can be a fine thing to be a seeker, to want to know more truth and to dive deeper in. That, that, that isn't necessarily a bad thing. Sometimes doubt draws us to go deeper in, right? The problem that um, one particular friend of mine as a seeker, he doesn't want to find anything. He really doesn't want to come to the knowledge of anything. He just simply wants to be seen as smart and a seeker. And in doing so, he's lost and flailing. Always learning, never able to arrive at the knowledge of truth. What an accusation chasing after life under the sun and failing to see that true life is right here for you. There's something to learn and there is truth to be found and his name is Jesus. He loves us. He loves you and wants the best for you. That's part the part that Solomon didn't have, actually. <laughs> he, he didn't have the good shepherd seeking after him and chasing. Solomon spent his life trying to figure things out without the good shepherd chasing after him. That came from the New Testament. And with the Spirit now, that convicts and chases after us. The power of the Spirit, the promised Spirit that Jesus gives. We have something Solomon didn't have. We have the good shepherd who leaves the 99 to find the one. And maybe that's you this morning. Sometimes that's me. He calls us into this relationship. He comes to find us, to gather us up. Do you hear Jesus calling today? Do you hear the voice of Solomon? It's the end of the matter. It's all been heard. Fear God, keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of all of us. Well, as we've been going through all the vanities of life under the sun this summer, um, uh, I hope that you've spent some time thinking about priorities and, 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 and maybe, you know, uh, where you find your worth. And, and there were a lot of things that came up as we were diving into Ecclesiastes. I had a lot of great conversations with people about their life. You know, early on, especially like, you know, life isn't all about work, life isn't all about... There's some really good things that people were, you know, were kind of forced to think about. But if all you've done is simply kind of readjust your life, maybe did a little reassessment of your time and where you're spending your energy, that's all well and good. But Solomon has a much deeper agenda here. <laughs> the Lord has a much deeper agenda. He wants you to 
turn your heart and your life completely to the one who gave his life for you. And, and not just spanking up your time and your priorities, but actually a turn. He's inviting us into true life that's found in Jesus. It's repentance in a way. Repentance means to turn away, to turn from, and to turn towards the life that's found in Jesus Christ. So come. I want to invite you to walk with us this year. Maybe you're visiting here. Maybe you're just coming through town. Maybe you're looking for a church home. There's a lot of churches, a lot of good places around. We're not the only gig in town. But I'd invite you to come and to walk with us this year. And with us, discover the abiding, saving love of God that comes through Jesus Christ. Come and continue to discover the meaning of life and your purpose as we together wrestle through that and step into the, to the grace and the joy and the love of God as we meet Jesus time and time and time again each week as we open up the Bible and as we come together and worship and as we pray for one another. Come. For Jesus is the light of the world, the one who is the way and the truth and the life for you. And as Solomon says himself, that's the end of the matter. It's all been heard. Let's pray. Father, you, you come to gather us up, to give us life abundant and eternal. Would you open up our hearts and our minds to this truth this morning? Would you do your work in us? Thank you for the gift of Solomon, for his wisdom, and for the books that he wrote to us, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, the various pieces and parts of Scripture that he encourages us to turn to you, to know you, to be in relationship to you. And so, Father, would you do your work in us this morning? Would you create faith and hope and life in each and every one of us? Pour out your Spirit on us, Lord. Draw us to you. We need you. And we love you. We ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people say...